Hey, Becky Alley, how are you? I'm great. How are you, Joe? I'm great. Thanks for joining us on Brokers and Brews. Before we even get into introductions, I need to know what was the brew that you brought to the table? I got my whiskey, Crown Royal XO. It's been my jam. I normally drink it with water, but I was like, I need some cherry coke in my life. So yeah, YOLO. <laughs> well, we're doing this later at night, so we need a little caffeine, right? So, and yes, you said something about up. whiskey, so I decided to mix up the old Godiva and uh, Screwball peanut butter whiskey and have a little uh, chocolate, you know, peanut butter going on tonight. So actually, I haven't had that peanut butter whiskey. Um, so I'm, I'm assuming since you're drinking, it's pretty good. It's excellent. All right, cool. Um, smooth. It's only 70 proof, so that kind of makes it a little bit smoother even. Oh, <laughs> only? <it's> great. So, <laughs> um, so before introductions, cheers to you, and thanks for joining us all. Cheers, everybody. So, Becky, a lender at, um, I almost said the wrong lender name. I'm glad you didn't. Cheating on me, Joe. Yeah, Go exactly. On. Becky, why don't you tell us who you are and where you're from? I am Rebecca Alley with Capital Mortgage Funding. I've been with Capital probably just over 10 years. I've been in the lending industry over 15. I've seen the good, the bad, the ugly. And this is definitely something that no one has ever seen ever. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so. so, you know, we're recording this, you know, in case somehow somebody comes across us way later. We're recording this. It's mid-April 2020. We're in the middle of what we call the... Uh, a pandemic, you know, um, it seems to be affecting every state, every country slightly different. Mm -hmm. We're both here in Michigan and we definitely have seen some really bad results as far as uh, sickness, death, things like that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, they, um, they meaning the government, shut down real estate. Now, me being a realtor, I have a different aspect of real estate than you have. Um, right. You're not essentially shut down and, and, and I'll ask you for that. You know, mm -hmm. I at this exact moment cannot do anything that I have to leave my house for. Um, I can't show a home. I can't go to a vacant home and take a photo with my, you know, iPhone and send it to somebody. If I have to leave my house, I can't do it. That's the rule right now. Um, we're probably on the verge of that changing, but you know, mm -hmm. what rules, has any rules changed? How's, how's things changed for you in the lending side? Um, I mean, well, I'm fortunate to be in a industry where we are considered essential. So I can go to the office if I so choose. But on the lending side, we can pretty much do our jobs almost remote anywhere, right? I can, sure. as long as I have a laptop and a printer and or a scanner, um, I can utilize that. So I'm very fortunate to be one of the people that can still touch people and do what I got to do. Because even before this, most of the transactions that take place are through email, fax, texting. Um, and a lot of times I meet people for the first time at closing, whereas obviously on the real estate side, you are literally touching, holding people's hands, like physically taking them in and out of houses. So as far as that goes, nothing has changed um, for me there. However, it's our referral partners that have affected our business slightly. So for mm -hmm. example, you're buying a house, you have to get the house appraised, okay? Because we are gonna lend based off of what the house is worth, not what you're buying it for. So if you were to buy a house for 200,000 and it's only worth 190 for the appraisal, that's what we're gonna lend you the money at, right? So now you have these modified appraisals that kind of came into place where um, they are, you know, cause appraiser, they did deem it as essential. So we've seen some delays because it is at the appraiser's discretion whether they want to go in the house or not, right? They don't know sure. if people are washing their hands. They got to worry about their family. So there's been delays on transactions because maybe the appraiser just doesn't feel comfortable um, going in the home. 
you know, um, inspectors. Have I know you seen that a lot. Yes. I mean, we're kind of fortunate where we haven't seen too many delays. I probably had to get maybe five out of 20 purchase um, appraisals reassigned. So pretty much if we haven't heard from an appraiser or someone hasn't accepted the order within five or three business days, we're moving on because sure. normally it's really quick and we're not going to sit here and waste everyone else's time because especially with employment right now, time's of the essence. Um, sure. So we have been fortunate where most of our appraisers have not been delayed, but what they're doing is they are reaching out to the clients. Um, they are making sure that all the doors are opened. They're making sure all the lights are turned on. They're eliminating as much contact, unnecessary contact as they possibly can. So they pretty much want to just go in the house, take their photos and get the hell out of there, right? Because they're worried about their families. They don't want to contaminate someone else's family. Now that's on purchases. Um, there are modified guidelines put out for refinance transactions. So a lot of times right now on these refinances, we don't even need an appraisal. Um, so that's helpful. But in the event that someone is trying to tap into that equity, meaning you want to pull $20,000 of your equity out to do whatever you want to do with it. I don't care. Right. Um, in those situations, the appraiser does physically have to go into the home. So sure. in those situations, we want to turn on the faucets. If you feel comfortable exiting the home, that's fine too. But um, they are going in for the most part, almost like in hazmat suits, face covered, gloves, and in some cases, um, so little booties on their feet. Yeah. So you, you had me, I mean, like I thought of so many questions. I don't even know. Yeah, what, sorry, what I went on a little rant but there. That's okay. So <laughs> obviously purchase and refi, it's two different things. Yes. Um, and when... There's different, I'm sure, um, I think overlay might be the right term and underwriting, right? So there's mm -hmm. different rules around things sometimes. And, you know, as, as least on our side of things, we always think one way is easier than another. Sometimes we feel like it's easier to get purchases. Sometimes we feel like it's easier for refis. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if that's a fact, but that's how it comes across. Um, but when it comes to underwriting and it comes to rules, are there different variables for refinance versus purchase? Like right now you brought up employment. You know, if I've been in my home for five years and I am furloughed, mm -hmm. can I continue my refi or do I have to wait? Like, what do I do? Um, right now we are kind of getting everyone in a position to press all the buttons. So for example, we have a lot of clients where we started the transaction and we're at a point where we're doing the verification of employment for the first time and it's come out where they're furloughed or they've been forthcoming saying, hey, I'm going to be laid off. We are not just pumping the brakes saying, okay, sorry, you don't qualify for a mortgage anymore. What we're doing is we are aware and we are progressive enough that this is a short-term normal that we are dealing with. So in the event that someone's in the middle of a transaction, whether it be purchase or refinance, all we're doing is just putting a pause for that remaining part of time. But in the meantime, behind the scenes, I'm doing everything we can to push that transaction as far as we can to the closing table. And then all we need to verify is that the they are back to work. And that's kind of what we're doing. Um, even on refinance transactions, there's, there's some other things coming into play, but purchases always take priority. There's a lot of moving parts. We don't, I, right now, unfortunately, to kind of give you an example, um, and actually, we have a radio show on 97.1, and you've been our guest, and yep. we love having you, and you're going to be coming on the next quarter. It's just been a little bit of adapting to our new surroundings, but yeah, you know, um, no worries. Yeah, so I'm in the middle of a purchase, and unfortunately, our first appraisal came in like $20,000 low, okay? Right. And in this situation, 
I knew it, the agent knew it, that this was not a good appraisal. I'll be the first to admit like, dude, your house is not worth that. Sure. You know, you need, you need to do something about it. But in this case, it was not a good appraisal. We were able to get additional data. But in the meantime, this COVID-19 started blowing up. So what would have taken me normally five business days to get um, this appraisal rebuttal done, it now turned into a few weeks because the appraiser was unwilling to go back out there. They're right. unwilling to reassess. So we had to send it to another appraiser. And then at that point in time, we were able to get it close enough to a value where all parties could agree. Okay. So that took an unnecessary, an unnecessary amount of time. And then fast forward again, in the middle of this, we go to do her verification appointment. She's now laid off. She's living in a hotel. Okay. It was one of those where everything, I tried to control everything that I could, but those were things that were, it wasn't my fault. It wasn't her fault. It wasn't the seller's fault. So once we came to an agreement and um, we talked to the sellers, the sellers without hesitation when we said, look, we were almost, we're ready to close, but she's now laid off. We don't know what the time frame is going to be. We're working on that. They said, okay, but we're understanding that she's living in a hotel. So they actually came up with the idea to offer her a concession when originally the deal had no seller concessions to pay for some of her, her hotel fees. So that was, I was most touched by that because it just kind of a testament to where that human being element that lacks in real estate sometimes, okay, yep. Yep. or in general, we're impatient, we want everything to happen so fast. So the fact that we don't even suggest that to the sellers and they offered that, um, I thought that was just telling to who they are as people. Sure. And it kind of just released that pressure that everyone was feeling of struggling to control the uncontrollable. Yeah, and no, you're right. Um you know, I think I'm a pretty reasonable person, but at the same time, I also know just like anybody, a, a contract is a contract and I want to follow the contract. Right. And during the last about four weeks, you know, I've, I've had a few contracts that it didn't really matter what we said or what was in there. We just had to make certain adjustments. Um, in one case, you know, we, we lost a cash deal. Now, looking into it further, arguably, the cash is, um, they're vouching to say that they have the cash at the time and that they're going to have the cash. Mm -hmm. So it's actually, a, it could be considered a default of contract, not the same as say me losing my job and now I don't qualify for a mortgage, but that's okay. how most of us interpreted it. Most mm -hmm. of us just used common sense approaches and said, okay, you know, at one point here, the market, the stock market dipped. 35% in two weeks. It was literally the worst drop since 1931. Right. And then as soon as that happened, we had the best increase since I think they said it was 1938. So we were in such a crazy time that if something was happening and, and your cash was somewhat tied up in the market, many people, I think, use that, like you say, that common sense approach. He would have mm -hmm. that human personality, human touch. The flip side of that is the human touch might have also been I've moved out of the home already. I've right. paid all these other expenses. You know, you, Mr. or Mrs. You know, uh, buyer, no longer have cash. What do you want me to do? I have mm -hmm. less cash now too. You know, I, I've acquired these extra fees because you were going to buy my home. So it's, right. it's tricky, but I've at least been fortunate to work with people that have approached it from a pretty reasonable standpoint. Um, for the transactions that I've had in process during this time. So it's yeah. awesome to hear that story, you know, that you just told as far as, um, you know, it's just somebody offering to pay hotel fees, clearly somebody understanding that this person is literally uh, like 
out on a limb right now, you know? And Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, and it didn't matter what I did. I mean, we're pushing so hard on these transactions, but you have to also understand everyone that's listening is the lending industry is strained, meaning that you have these people that are laid off that are buying houses. We now have to worry about them making these first mortgage payments. So as a result of that, we're experiencing a month of two of hard, right? They're putting all these stops and these checks and balances in place. Make sure that we're not going to have years of hard. Okay, this isn't going to be the 2008 housing crisis because prior to this, mortgage default was at its lowest rate ever, right? Mm -hmm. And that's because of the strict lending guidelines that kind of came into place. We got rid of a lot of these interest-only loans, all that craziness, right? So because of that, the lending industry isn't actually in a very strong position. So right now, it's very protective of what's happening, right? Yep. So we have to verify someone's employment when we start the transaction, in the middle of the transaction three days before we close and the day of closing because everything is changing daily all the time. And you have people that have been laid off and now going back to work. So in, in my case, this client, she's now back to work. She was deemed essential and we're actually be closing next week, you know, but this was almost 30 days of her now living in a hotel, right? So I chipped in a little bit, the sellers chipped in a little bit because it wasn't her fault and we're able to do so, but that's not the case for everyone, like you said. Out, there are cases where the sellers are now out because they can't buy their new house because they can't sell their old house. I mean, so there are, have been some other domino effects, unfortunately, but at the same time, you can't point the blame, the finger at anyone in this, in this case. You yeah. Know, you can't. So you, it, it, more so than ever, having a professional in your corner and what we preach about on our radio show, our podcast, which you talk about all the time. It is more relevant than ever because we're able to set those proper expectations. We're able to shield them from some of the things that they not had a buyer's agent. They were with some slappy mortgage company that doesn't know what they're doing. Or they're like, oh, hey, we're done doing these refinances now. Sorry, kick rocks, because it did happen to some people. Yeah. Um, you know, we get involved and we're emotionally involved in the transaction as much as anyone else. Now, so do you guys like underwrite and fund all your own mortgages at Capital or... Okay, and then it, do you typically, do you think that they stay with, within the company or do they get sold off after? Um, I mean, it depends. We are a direct lender, so we do service our own paper, you know, so then we are affected by this other CARES Act, which I know we can probably touch on that too, but we also do sell mortgages in the secondary market as well, and that is a common thing. The reason why you do that is you're making room on your credit lines for new loans, right? Yep. Um, so we do service, so I would say, I think we're probably like a 60, 40 retain, um, 40% sell at this point, you sure. know, if I were to think about it, but you know, if we are subservicers, they're PNC chase, you know, those kinds of things that if they, it is sold to a secondary, um, servicer, but it doesn't affect anyone's loan, right. It's just who you're making your mortgage payments to. So. And so I asked partially because it's always good to know. And partially because I'm curious, you know, right before this, mm -hmm. Rates were dropping literally through the floor. Mm -hmm. I mean, to the point where, correct me if I'm wrong, lenders pumped the brakes, said, we're no longer using the criteria that we used to use for refinances, at least. For example, you know, we hear about a 10-year treasury note and mm -hmm. that, that, you know, a mortgage rate might be tied to that in some manner. Well, the note went so low that, you know, I know of some lenders that said, we're not using T notes anymore. We're just using this other thing or we're doing something else. We're just making it up ourselves as we go along. I mean, I don't know exactly how, you know, the right phrasing, but yeah, 
did you guys go through that before? So like we're going back now, February. I mean, only a couple months ago. Okay. Um, yeah. So I'm glad you actually brought that up. So yes, we're going to go back to February and beginning of March where I think that I was blue in the face talking to clients saying, lock your transaction, lock it down, lock it down, lock it down, lock it down. Because the last time we saw rates as low as they were in March, so a month ago, so March, 2020, the last time we saw rates that low was in 2016. Okay. And we thought that was going to be the lowest of the low. So they were right there in line with 2016, right? And just like in 2016, we came in one day and rates were completely in the opposite direction. And you had those looky loos that are like, I'm going to wait till they go down to 2% on a 30 year fix. Mm -hmm. Good luck with that. It's never going to happen. No mortgage company, no government would ever allow America for us to pay you money because you're borrowing because you have a mortgage, right? Because sure. like you have these negative, that's where it was going, right? So we had these rates as low as they were, and then you had the stock market plummeting because of this COVID-19 taking over. And then at that point, the government stepped in, okay? And they stepped in so much, so fast, that it had a complete opposite reaction to the rates, and they actually went in the other direction. But before I get to that point, um, there were some like lenders where rates were going, 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 and they did cut it off because even though the market might dictate, right, rates can be dictated by the servicer. That's why you do see a little bit of a variance here and there. We were not one of those people that artificially inflated the rates. Um, it's no secret Chase was one of the first to come out where they were like 4% is going to be the lowest you can get from us because the industry, went, the refinance transactions went up 225%, right? Yeah. So it was just this ungodly increase of uh, refinance applications, right? So if you think about it, so if you want to kind of, you're a lender or you're a servicer and you have someone that has a 5% interest rate, okay? Servicer wants to retain that paper because they're planning on you making all these mortgage payments based off 5%. Okay, so guess who loses money when you're refinancing past a certain point where they made their money back? these servicers and chase is one of the largest servicers out there wells fargo you know whatever you want to call it and so when you have all these refinances taking place at 2.75 percent on a 15 year they're now going to start losing money right mm -hmm. so they did put a stop to the artificially inflated their rates because number one he, they couldn't handle the business you know sure. they just they were just busting at the seams so we were and not one of them I, that I, hope huh? I, jump in. I mean there's also two other issues with that volume right one is mm -hmm. uh employees or staff right there's yeah. maybe not enough but isn't there a, a bigger issue in that the the lender i mean you're a lender and mm -hmm. you, you just said you guys write your own paper you have to have a certain amount of money like in the account available to write i mean all these different yeah. variables you have to have the cash flow you they, yeah. they regulate that how much money you have left over after your servicing, you know, after your lines. And if you don't meet that criteria, that's also a problem, you know, because right. that's why some of these um, lenders were, they didn't think they were going to make it. So they were trying to sell off as much as they could, but no one wanted to buy it because they're at lower rates. Why would they buy cheaper interest rate money when they're already making their money on a higher rate? You know, so there was just a lot of inside stuff that was happening. And unfortunately the government stepped in too fast hot heavy because they're just like oh my god let's stop the bleeding and that's why you saw these interest rates go up over a full percent in less than a week yeah and that was you know so why you had some lenders that artificially inflated the rates a little bit prematurely it was naturally going to happen anyway 
because of what you know how the government was just like oh my god they're trying to save the stock market they're trying to make it so the the t bonds weren't you know going in the negative direction so when the fed announced the rate cut it actually did have an opposite effect on mortgage rates it benefited credit cards it benefited mm-hmm. maybe a home equity line of credit but it did not benefit actual mortgage interest rates at that point so I know that you guys hit the radio, hit the podcast talking mm-hmm. about that. Yep. Um, and, and what's the name of your guys' podcast, by the way? Sorry, I caught you in mid-drink. So. No, it's all right, man. Right. Cheers. Uh, uh, it's the uh, Hardcore Mortgage Podcast. Clever okay. name. <laughs> so it's our Hardcore Mortgage, mortgage Radio Show. Podcast, yeah. Find some more information about this. But you guys talked about this. Everybody was posting about it. Every lender, most realtors, probably even some title people, everyone involved kept saying, guys, interest rates are not at zero. Lending rates are at zero, and therefore interest rates are going up. Uh, without being too technical, because I think you know we want to. You can get real technical and get real boring real fast. Yeah, right. But can you break that down? I mean, how, how's that? So you get free money. I don't get free money. I mean, you know, like how's that work out for us? Well, it's actually. I mean, the what we're lending on. I mean, I don't. I'm not privy to all the behind the scenes when it comes to servicing. It's well beyond my jurisdiction, right? But just in general, when they're cutting the rates, we are not getting. You know, like I know a servicer, they're not getting the money at zero percent. I mean, so most mortgages are backed by Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. You have the Federal Housing Administration. So, and then all that is overseen by the Federal Housing Agency, right? Federal Housing Financial Agency, right? So you have all these players. And so, for example, like you have to meet their, there's margin calls, you know, like, so for us to lock a rate at, let's just say anyone, right? Not even just us. Let's just say someone's got a rate at 3%, okay? For us to hold that rate at 3% by the rates are going up, right? That costs our comp- the company, any company, money because right. you're now holding a rate that, I mean, think about it. Like, if you want, if someone's going to pay you interest, would you rather be paying you interest on 3% or 5%, right? So, for us yeah. to hold these these rates where they're at, it was costing us money, costing everyone money. So, that's why some of the bigger banks said, you know, they're like, we're not going to, we're canceling all of our, like, actually canceled people's locks because if number one, if it wasn't going to close, or if they didn't meet certain criteria before they even publicly announced it, meaning like normally on an FHA transaction, you could we could go as low as 580. Well, because of what's happening, and you now have to worry about foreclosures and all this stuff, um, FHA said, nope, 660. Like they're like, or 620 or whatever it is that they, sure. I can't remember, man. 660 or 620, but it affected now people that were pre-approved. But to directly answer your question, when they, the Fed dropped the rate to zero, they didn't drop it to zero for mortgage lenders, servicers, interest rates. Yeah. Just for basically trying to cut the bottom. So we were falling and we're going to keep falling. So when they cut the rate, they gave us a new floor. So now we're standing on the floor and that's where it was. So it didn't matter what the T-bond was going to do because that's typically what the mortgage rates follow. Mm-hmm. But that's not always true because sometimes they can go down and rates go opposite. Yeah. And, and so, but to, you know, to really kind of bring it back, cause I was like, well, you know, you're getting all this money. I'm not getting it. So I didn't, I, I jokingly presented it like I'm the mm-hmm. one getting, you know, screwed here. But the reality is that the government steps in and does those things. And it's not even really the government because the fed is kind of separate from the government. Yes, in correct. some ways, you know, I'm not an economics or whatever, a uh, civics teacher, but, I'm just a simple man. <laughs> but uh, you know, essentially, they really do that because they have to try and help 
all lenders, whether you're the biggest or the smallest, um, regulate and self-regulate so that you can actually stay open, continue servicing the loans, not default and not cause a crisis. Mm -hmm. right? Right. And so, you know, we, we say it this way and we make it sound like, you know, we're the little guy, we're getting taken advantage of. But the reality of it is that without these things happening and much like the stimulus package, and I think you know, maybe we'll talk a little bit about some of that type of stuff mm-hmm. too. You know, without some intervention, when things go way haywire out of nowhere, then, you know, if you guys go up, and I mean, you guys meaning tons of lenders, mm-hmm. uh, or go under, I should say, you know, that actually has a much bigger impact than if I went from a 3% to a 3.25% interest rate. Am I right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So if, we're not around or lenders aren't around to actually lend you the money. It doesn't matter. It's almost like if you don't have your health in this, it doesn't matter what your interest rate is. It doesn't matter what you're doing. If you know, your health is everything. And same with that, they had to step in and give us some kind of protection. We had to even step in and protect ourselves. You know, if you want to put it like that. In general, right. yeah. yeah, cool. So, so we've kind of hit on some of this stuff. I mean, what's, what's different. I mean, obviously, I know you, you're an office person. You even said it. (laughs) I I need to, I, you know, I'm I'm glad to be home and healthy and safe, but I need my office. Like Mm -hmm. what's changed? What do you see not changing back? You know, whether it's personally or professionally, I mean, it could be something that you've done, you know, with the kids or something you've done going to the gym and you're like, you know what, I'm never not doing this again. Or maybe you bought a Peloton, whatever. Like, Mm -hmm. what have you, what have you changed that's either not changing or that you can't wait for it to go back? Um, I guess like a silver lining that's happened for me is it did force me to slow down a little bit as far as things that I would have maybe missed out on Mm because I'm at work or I was going to the gym right after work, I'm now here and I'm present for it. So like when I log off finally at like eight or seven, eight o'clock, I can now go on a bike ride with everyone instead of me like coming home like later. Right. Um, I'm an average, I like going to the gym. Do I see myself, you know, like, Oh, that Rona's there gone. Cause it's May 1st. I mean, I'm not silly. We know it's not going to just evaporate. Yeah. So working out from home, I started doing that. Um, I do insanity videos. So I used to do that before I did, you know, went to the gym. So I'm modifying my behavior as far as that goes. Um, working at the office. So for example, like we had a conference call with Harry Glanz, who's the president of capital mortgage funding. And he basically said, when May 1st comes, I'm in no hurry to have you guys all come back to the office. You guys, we need to come in waves. We need to be safe, even if it's rotation. And he asked us all individually in the company, how do you feel about working from home? Because now we've all adapted to this. And I told him, I said, well, I'm probably going to start coming to the office effective next week. I'm just going to come in, get my stuff organized, get myself reacclimated to that atmosphere because I am a churn and burn kind of person. Everyone knows I'm to the point no bullshit when it comes to certain things, but that's why people they trust me because they know I'm going to close their loan. And you might not hear from me every day, but it's because I'm working on your loan and I'm going to give you those updates. So me personally, I do like being at the office because I think I can work a little bit more efficiently. Um, but at the same time, this distraction, I actually kind of welcomed it. I was a little bit, it frustrated me a little bit, um, but I've now it's, I'm okay with it. So, but me, I am going to go back to the office. My team, they're probably going to work from home he said up through June, it's going to be at, at everyone's discretion. As long as everyone is still doing their thing, um, he's cool with it. And I'm cool with it. You know, I have a great relationship with my team. Um, we have our in-house closers. We have in-house underwriting. And we haven't missed a beat. So the fact that we can 
we're all disciplined enough and we care enough to do what we got to do from wherever we're at, you know, that says a lot about, I think, our company. Because some people need to be monitored, right? They're only going to do what they're supposed to do. Not, they're only going to do what they're told and what they're clocked in for. And you got people that are working in freaking eight o'clock at night and emailing me, you know, yep. from their kitchen table, right? Yep. So, um, but working out from home, I'm probably going to not, I'm probably going to continue to do that actually for quite some time. Sure. So, what about like um, closings? I mean, you go to a lot of your closings, as many okay, as. Okay, yeah. Yeah. That's um, so. Closings are different now, right? So that's something we didn't really touch on. So on a mortgage transaction, right? On a purchase, you got your sellers, you got your buyers, you got the lender. And yeah, I do go. I think it's important to meet everyone. And unfortunately, right now, it's very limited access. You know, you want on, you don't want unnecessary touches. So closings, I think that um, it kind of forced the industry to kind of look to the future. I do think that the way that they are doing some of these closings, whether it's they're allowing it to be electronic or you know, you got some people where they're taking the documents and they're going over everything FaceTime. I think that it's going to allow the industry to evolve in a way that it probably should have eventually. I don't think mortgages will ever be paperless and you're always going to need to have that signature, but they have allowed a little bit of leniency there because of these touches that we're trying to avoid. Yeah. Um, well, I so. talked to, um, to Sarah at uh, Title Partners. Yeah. What are they doing? Well, every, every title company is different. Right. And she kind of touched on that. And she said some companies already had like the digital, um, mm -hmm. uh, not, not like filing, but the digital notary. Right. Okay. And, but that's, that was a conversation her and I had when they first started the process of getting theirs together. Mm -hmm. um, and of course it kind of got pushed back rather than forward because the chaos, you know, that right. um, and so they were already working on it. But she said at the time, she goes, the biggest issue is lenders don't accept it. Mm -hmm. So it's great that we have the technology, but if mm -hmm. a lender won't take it, then it's useless anyways, you know? Right. Um, and so, you know, I kind of said, well, I hope over time, you know, I think it's really important and I hope that, and it sounded like there's a lot of ways that they're going to have um, verification process, you know, mm -hmm. that, that you're really you. But, um, you know, I said, I hope over time, some of the things that come from this are positive, you know, technological changes, whatever, because people laugh sometimes when I say paper, you know, mm -hmm. like, what are you using paper for? What do you mean a pen? You know? Mm -hmm. And then the title company is like, not just a pen, a blue, pen, you know? And so yeah, like, the blue pen. They're like what, you know? <laughs> so, um, so it'd be interesting to see really what happens. I, I think, again, it'll take a lot of time, especially because, you know, no one wants to say, well, um, you know, capital does it this way and caliber does it this way and chase does it this way and bank of America does it that way. It's like, it has to be fairly universal. I and mean, there could be yeah. some people in the outlying, you know, outskirts yeah. that don't do it right. But no one wants to figure out what every single lender does. And doesn't. It's almost like being the first in line for the vaccine. I mean, you got all these yeah. bugs, you got to work out all those kinks. And that's the thing too, with this whole electronic signing part there's going to be a lot of kinks and ultimately what they're trying to do is prevent mortgage fraud because people are going to find ways around it. So there's yeah. no mandate for it. So that's why every title company is kind of doing their things differently because lenders do require, they want to see that signature because that's authentic. You can't fake that. You have the notary's purpose to say, I'm attesting that this person sat in front of me and signed this document, you know, so to find ways around it, we kind of got thrusted into this situation um, where people had to be a little bit innovative and, and creative to make sure that we're able to still function because 
providing housing for someone is essential, right? So I do think that in your guys' aspects, like, you know, there needs to be some kind of allowances allowed for you guys as well. Um, but at the same time, we also have to make sure that, you know, we're protecting ourselves and the consumers. Yeah. Well, I think, um, I think that as whenever, as this particular stay home order expires, mm-hmm. um, I just have a really gut, strong gut feeling that our um, title of essential versus non-essential will change, but it'll right. also come with a lot of restrictions. As I, as I feel it should. I mean, I don't want to get yeah. into personal feelings and politics and stuff like that. Um, but at the same time, you know, I think that you're right. I mean, for a certain period of time, maybe you could make an argument that a few weeks of not being able to really physically get out there and sell real estate, everyone can kind of get by. But over time, those things change. You know, the mm-hmm. one-off stories that happen, like grandma needs to sell so she can afford to live in her assisted living facility. Those don't happen every single day, but because they happen every single week and then week after week after week goes on, now there's more of those stories, right? Right. Now there's more situations besides just, hey, I bought this house back in 2010 and it's appreciated so much, I want to get a bigger or smaller home, you know? Right. And then the other thing is going to be, we've been all pretty much kind of locked up in our homes for over four weeks for the Mm -hmm. most part. Um, We're all figuring out whether or not we like our house. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Some people might might not even like their spouse. Who knows? (laughs) Yeah, there's been lots of jokes, right? And and Mm -hmm. sometimes they're not jokes, but for the most part, jokes about divorce attorneys are going to be busy and realtors are going to be busy and these, you know, and the fact of the matter is, is like, how many people realize now they need a home office? How many people realize now that their house doesn't hold them and their three kids and their two dogs and their cat and their lizard and their, you know, yeah, they, they thought so until they all kind of had to be at home. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm seeing people with some huge houses that you're seeing everyone's kind of crammed around a kitchen table because they don't have an office. So they don't have a workspace, you know, these are 3000 plus square foot homes. Yeah. And you know, or they have an office, but it was for the original stay work from home, you know, adult, not for the children, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, the kids are working from home now, too. You're absolutely right. That's such a valid point. Yeah, I mean, I'm sharing my office with my seven-year-old. And so when he's listening to his videos or playing, you know, um, Prodigy, which is a, you know, math game, mm-hmm. um, it's great education-wise, but it'll drive me crazy. And You're so, like, damn it, be quiet. Yeah. I'm trying to prospect here. Exactly. So I got to go, you know? Um, and so I'm back up working out of my bedroom, even though mm-hmm. I have a freaking office, you know? So, yes. um, so things I, like to attest to that, like I have an office upstairs, but because, you know, the girls are in the kitchen as much as they are and it's right up, butted up to the kitchen. I moved downstairs because it's yep. just easier and it's a little bit quiet and I tend to talk loud and you know, that way, like I'm not disrupted and, and all that stuff. I mean, obviously everyone, they can hear my like my dog over here begging for a treat next to me. He's gonna start getting loud. But um, you know, it's like people are understanding like you hear more background noises than yeah. they normally would have, but it can be distracting sometimes. So you're absolutely right. Like it's you know, you're like, dang, maybe this wasn't so big. Be quiet. Yeah. Well, it's funny too. I mean, I, I watch a lot of CNBC during the day and yeah. even the same type of stuff. I mean, you're hearing like the person's um computer because they're on a call like we are right now right Mm -hmm. and so you're hearing like ding 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 because all the emails or the text messages or whatever and then yeah sometimes you're hearing a kid or a dog or you know some other animal or whatever Mm -hmm. and it's hilarious because 
those people are still like putting on their suits or, you know, their skirts <laughs> yeah. or whatever, dressing up. And uh, so they're dressing like they came to the studio or they went to the floor and then they're out of their house and you you have house stuff, you know? And, yeah. <laughs> really unprofessional. Don't mind the dog. Yeah. The baby running around in the background. I swear I'm professional. <laughs> but I think, you know, it's personal. It's kind of brought the personal personalization, personality, you know, all the above, I guess, you know, back to us. Right. Because, yeah, like, look at this guy. He's a little oh, treat monster. <laughs> um, you know, because it's exactly that type of stuff, right? Like you're a person, you have a dog, your dog loves you, you, you your dog wants to see you, you know, and I know there's kids in the house and stuff too. So, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm just saying, you know, same thing. Like I, I told a, a person that I talked to on Sunday, I go, yeah, when we can get back out and whatever we can do to show homes, just so you know, my wife works in the hospital. And so if you want to go see a home at like 12 o'clock, we can do it. I'll bring my two kids with me. I'll give them iPads. They can either sit on the porch or sit in the car or, you know, something like that. But, you know, that's a conversation that I wasn't having very often before or every once in a while, right? Mm -hmm. That's a conversation I'm going to have for the next probably four months. Yeah, it's different. Something I did want to ask you is virtual tours, right? So you have people that are putting their houses on the market and, you know, they're doing these virtual tours. So if you guys can't, how are these virtual tours taking place if you technically can't? So if you didn't have something ready to go to yeah. go online, how are you really doing these virtual tours for new listings? Um, that's something that I'm actually curious about. So I'll tell you the correct answer. And that is that um, say you're selling your home. I would okay. essentially, I would do a call like this so that I can see your home. Right. Mm-hmm. Becky, take me through your house. Okay, great. And then I'm making, I would be making some notes so that I know what to tell you. And then I'd say, I'm gonna give you an email and it's gonna to explain to you how you need to take your phone, your your iPhone, your Samsung, your LG, whatever you got, and okay. go through your home and go slowly and do this. Don't worry about stabilizers and lighting and all this other stuff. It's not that important right now. Right. And And I've seen plenty of tours like that and that's what's supposed to happen and that's what is happening for a lot of people. Um, to be fair, there's some misunderstanding, right? There's okay. some people who believe that like a vacant property has a different rule. I'm not sure why. To me, it's clear and cut and dry. It's been put out there. But, you know, the brokerage is even telling some agents that this is the case. So for whether it's an intent or, an, or a mistake, you know, there's some, some definite different things going on. But for the most part, that's what we're seeing. And in fact, I put a, a buyer under contract with a virtual tour like that, a seller-driven okay. virtual tour. And um, in their case, the first time they're going to see the home is during their inspection. Okay. Um, and in fact, they won't be there for the full inspection. They'll come toward the end, kind of tour the property while the inspector is doing their little paperwork type stuff. And then the inspector will be able to um, you know, point out anything that they need to point out like usual. And that's mm-hmm. when they're going to see the house. And so they're going to be financially invested, unfortunately, deciding whether or not they want to move forward. But, you know, if you're buying, whether it's a hundred thousand or $600,000 property, it doesn't really matter if right. you're in for three, $400 on an inspection. And then you realize it's not the one for you much better than if you're in a hundred thousand dollars for a mortgage. So, right. Oh, yeah. I agree with that. And I think that, you know, like some silver lining as well is for you guys, I mean, it makes you you have to be innovative. You found different ways to still sustain business. I mean, you're losing that personal touch, you know, that you guys are so accustomed to, but at the same time for you to still be able to provide a service 
you know, to, you know, people trying to still sell their house in and turn by. I mean, it's cool that, you know, you're down, but you're not out. Right. You know? right. And, and this is not perfect and it's not the long term. Mm-hmm. I think that it's helped maybe realize that sometimes you don't always have to be as face to face as you, as we've made it seem sometimes. Right. Um, but I mean, there's no doubt um, you can have the latest and greatest cell phone. It does not match my photographer's three. To five <laughs> yeah, the, I will say, I've seen some pictures where I was like, "Dang!" And then you go and look at those, you're like, "Dang, that's right. just, that was a really good picture." Yes, <laughs> and and so, um, and and you know, like my photographer, he emailed all of the agents, and he has hundreds that he, you know, that his that his company does for. And he said, "If you've got seller taking photos right now, I'm offering touch ups for free." You know, and a touch up just yeah. means maybe taking a glare out of the picture or something like that. Taping um, the arm off, making it look skinnier. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Thickening the beard, getting rid of the grays, things like that. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, it, you know, it's definitely, um, I mean, it's just a feature. He said, kind of like it, it's cliche, but we're all in this together. Mm-hmm. Like I can't work right now either. So the least I can do is help you so that when you can get back after it, you're hiring me back, you know? Right. Um, and it's not, that wasn't his words, but that was the underlying message. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, so we're doing a lot of stuff and, you know, this comes back to, I don't know if you saw my post over the weekend, but you know, it's kind of like, why, why using, why use an agent versus Zillow, you know, um, Zillow's Zillow doesn't have somebody telling you how to take photos for your home. Mm -hmm. Zillow doesn't have somebody showing you how to do a video for your home. Okay. Maybe that's intuitive. Maybe you're, you know. 22 years old and an Instagram influencer. So taking a photo and a video is not hard for you. Great. Now, did you also know that the buyer can't come to your home because they aren't allowed to right now? So what's, you know, facilitating all of these things from the tours to, again, you're the seller. So I call your agent, say, I need a tour of the home. Your agent calls you, you get the tour, they send it to me. I get it to my buyer. Now your agent and I can work on what we want to do about a deal because the deal isn't the same as it used to be, you know, for, for a period of time. Inspection periods, if I sent you a 10-day inspection period, you would have said shorten this. Now, 10 days seems pretty reasonable because people aren't doing three, four, five inspections in a day. You know, they're taking a little longer because there's cleanup involved. There's extra, don't touch this, don't move that, whatever. Make sure that the seller does these things, all these types of things going on. Right. So, you know, it's not a standard transaction and we all have to have that communication. Mm-hmm. So it's very, um, it's very interesting and very cool to see quick changes and in, in innovations. And, you know, I, I don't work for EXP. I work for Next Home. But mm-hmm. if I was an EXP recruiter, I'd be like, guys, we are so virtual. It's not even funny. And it's all we are is virtual. Right, and yeah. Promoting them because, you know, it's not my, my brand, but I'm just saying, I mean, you know, you're seeing and every good company, every good agent figuring out a way to be virtual right now. And it's, yeah. I mean, you have to be, the reality is what, you you know, what you said earlier, there's not one person, there's not one occupation that hasn't, or isn't going to be touched by this pandemic from one aspect to another, whether it's personal, professional, or even, you know, someone that's happy. I mean, everyone is going to be touched by this. So finding the new ways to still help people being a human being and, you know, like we were talking about earlier and what you're talking about right now, having an agent in your corner right now, it's free. A buyer's agent is free. Why would you not want someone setting those proper expectations, 
taking the bullets for you. Like, okay, do you need a do you need a city inspection? How are those being done? Is that city even open right now? Because mm-hmm. are they, you know, some cities shut down or we're like, absolutely not. So you for your city, like, I don't know, like, I know for downriver, like Taylor and Woodhaven, they require city inspections. Yep. You know, what are you doing in those situations? And that's the point of having a professional in your corner is to allow you and tell you what you can and cannot do. This is what's going to happen and when. And if there's a problem, you're not like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Because they're already dealing with it for you. And there's so many things that obviously you and I deal with behind the scenes that we'll even get our clients involved with. Why? Because this is what we do for a living. I can take the pressure. You can take the pressure, right? Yeah. We don't leave them in the dark but at the same time. Like they don't need to know what I'm doing behind the scenes if I can handle it myself, because why would I want to stress them out? That's what they're, that's what I'm here to do. Right. And that's what you're there to do. You're there to be that voice between themselves and the seller. So they don't have to walk the plank alone. Yeah, no, you're right. And, yeah. and obviously, you know, it's something that I have always pitched it's something that I feel is super important about anybody in our profession um, is that they have that personal touch, yeah. understand what's really going on. And like you said, so some cities require inspections, some cities don't. Knowing that information, being able to get a hold of that information, finding out is Dearborn doing inspections, but Detroit is not, mm-hmm. is Woodhaven you know, handling them on Mondays only, but Taylor is not handling them at all. Those types of things are important. And some things your agent can't do legally. We're not allowed to, like, I can't say exactly how much your taxes are, but I can send you three links so you can calculate it. And I can, you know, tell you that you did something wrong. You know what I mean? Like, right, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of things that we can still do and that we have to do. We've always done. And now there's just more that we're, that we're doing. And, you know, and we love doing it. I mean, like I was on a call with six agents and one other mortgage person on Monday and everyone said, I hate saying this, but the reason I got in the business is because I love helping people. Mm -hmm. You know, the money is good and those things, all that is absolutely true. So there are great benefits of what we do. However, at the end of the day, it's because I like to help people. And these are the things that we're doing. You know, we're finding ways to make deals happen. We're finding ways to make deals stay together. And we're Mm -hmm. finding ways to make our clients know what's going on out there right now. Yeah. At the end of the day, you are their best advocate. Why would they want to work with a stranger? Why would they not want to work with you? Why would they not want to work with us at Capital Mortgage Funding? We're very hands-on. You're very hands-on. And, you know, like, I'm not saying that, you know, like, you know, there, I'm sure there's other fantastic lenders out there, mortgage or loan officers. You know, I'm not here saying it's only capital mortgage money or only myself. You know, I think anyone that takes the effort and cares and really is available at nine o'clock at night to, or midnight, I'm texting people. If you have someone that you're working with that does that for you, then keep working with them. That's fantastic. You know, it's not, I mean, it's just like right now you're going to separate the professionals from the slappies the ones that are going to continually be here all the time is this is that defining moment you know and you know i made it through 2008 this is not a 2008 this is totally different but the ones that made it through that and are still here that says a lot i didn't switch out occupations i didn't diversify my assets you know i just put my nose down and i grinded it out and we made it through you know this is something that's different it's a short-term normal. The lending industry is going to feel a pinch a little bit longer 
or a delayed reaction, then, you know, like you're being affected right now, we're going to be affected a little bit later, um, more directly, but at the same time, okay, bring it on. It just gives you that, it just reaffirms my passion of why I do what I do, like you're saying. Like, I know why I got in it. You know why you got in it. And if someone works with me, they're going to feel why I got in it. They're yeah. going to know that when they come and talk to me, and you know if you send a buyer to me, like, I'm going to grind it out until it gets done. And no questions asked. And if I have issues, I'll tell you. And if it's going to be something we got to work on, okay. But at the same time, like, there's not going to be a question of, I know Becky's got my back. I know Joe's got my back, you know? Yeah, for sure. So what do you want to talk about? Do you want to talk about why this isn't 2008? Or do you want to talk about why, if you don't need uh, relief, you shouldn't be asking for one with your mortgage right now? We can talk Um, about both. I don't have to They're actually both, to be honest with you. Like, I mean, it just kind of sums up. 2008 happened because there was a lot of really bad loans out there. Okay. Mm-hmm. It were bad loans backed by mortgages, like the, the mortgage-backed securities. They, they couldn't hold it. It was just a lot of bad paper, meaning that you had people that there was, back in 2008, you had people saying, stated income, stated assets. So I have an 800 credit score. So I'm going to state that I make $1 million and I have $2 million in the bank. So I'm going to buy this $3 million house. Cool. You have 800 credit scores. Booyah. There you go. Well, guess what? The person really didn't make a million dollars. They didn't have two million in the bank. So that was just one example of like on a big grand scheme of things. It doesn't right. So now fast forward to 2020, you had, you have, or now it's 12 years after the fact and you have people that have equity in their homes again. You had employment, unemployment was at all time lows. Uh, You had um, foreclosures, mortgage default, all time lows. People were actively working our economy was in fact booming okay then you had this pandemic and then everything's like oh my gosh pump the brakes right so now what's happening is you have the government stepped in they came in hard they came in fast and it disrupted a lot of things and they put out this cares act right that didn't really have a lot of provisions that it should have before they announced it right because they more or less were just thinking we have to protect the consumers we have to protect the public, right? So you have 2020, default is very low. So now you have this CARES Act that's now in place that is going to kind of protect the fact that mortgage default rates are at all-time lows, right? So part of the provision is if you are having a hard time making your mortgage payment, you can ask your servicer for either forbearance or deferment, Okay. Well, the reason why the mortgage industry is going to be now in a delay because you have people that are now closing on these mortgages and there's technically nothing that's going to stop them from asking their current servicer for forbearance. Because I heard that I can just get like 12 months off my payment. So I'm just going to go out there and why would I want to make 12 months of payments, right? They said I can get 12 months off. It's not how it works, right? So per the CFPB, which is the Consumer Financial Protections Bureau, if you can make your mortgage payment, always make your mortgage payment because there's provisions in this CARES Act that have yet to be defined, meaning that they did say that the your rate, so let's say you're in a forbearance and you're not making your mortgage payments, you decide to do two months, right? They can't negatively report on your credit report that you're 60 days late, but there are going to start being um, little not, like they're going to have comments on there. Like yeah. They're going to say, 
uh, this is COVID-19. It's now, I mean, there's some things that came out today and yesterday that now it's going to be considered a disaster. Mm -hmm. So, you know, but again, there's going to be like, even in 2008 where people got loan modifications, that little ticker on your, is going to show up on your credit report. So when I'm in turn 60, 90, 120 days from now, looking at your credit report, I'm going to ask you for that documentation that you made that agreement that you made with your, your current servicer at the time, because there's going to be some provisions in there on how soon you can actually start entering into new mortgages. So the difference between, before we get into all that, forbearance means you got six months off. Okay. That doesn't mean it's forgiven. That doesn't mean that you don't have to pay the man because everyone always has to pay the man. Right. Right. So forbearance is you enter an agreement with Joe. He's the bank. And he says, okay, I'm going to give you six months to get your life together and you don't have to make any mortgage payments and you're not going to incur any. Well, guess what happens on that seventh month? You now owe me, let's say your payment's $1,000. You now owe Joe $7,000 in full. While you six months you plus pay. that month, right? Right. Yeah. Because now it's, you're in your seventh month. So that's due. Do right. So, well, I don't have that. Okay. Well, guess what's going to start happening? You're now going to have that default. You're now going to have that negativeness on your credit report that's now going to report. And now you can't go buy another house. Um, it's unknown how they're going to handle foreclosures in that point in time. Let's just say if they do make it due in a lump sum, are they going to come and get your house right now? Are they going to call that note due? There's those little details that have yet to be defined. Um, now, a deferment. Are there, are there any forbearance? Um, scenarios and strictly forbearance because i want to make sure that we use that term for this question okay is there a forbearance scenarios with different lenders where they're they are say tacking it on to the end of the loan or they're spreading it out my six months over the next 12 months or you know is that forbearance or is that something different because i've heard of that i believe that it's happening i believe it's also somehow part of a stimulus package but mm -hmm. is that forbearance or is that something else that is going to be considered a deferment. Okay. Okay. So forbearance. And the other thing is too, is every service, there is no mandate, meaning that every servicer has to follow the same exact guideline. Every servicer can do something totally different. So that's why if you are absolutely no way, can you make your mortgage payments? You have to ask for some kind of assistance or relief. You need to make sure that you're calling your servicer and you need to make sure that you're getting whatever it is that you're agreeing to in writing. How long is it going to be? How do you have to pay that back? And how is it going to be affected on your credit report? And those are things that are very important. A deferment, like you were mentioning in your question, would be you have different renegotiation terms, meaning like, okay, the six months that you missed, well, now instead of having a three, a 30 year mortgage, you now have a 30 year mortgage in six months, mm -hmm. right? So it would be something like that, that they can do, or you can maybe stretch that seven, those seven months payments that you missed over 12 months. I mean, you can ask for different payment options. So that's where it's key to find out how does it have to be paid back? But if you can make your mortgage payment, and if you have a little bit of a nest egg, you need to, um, they came out where, so to kind of back it up, if, a servicer, whether you make your mortgage payment or not, they have to pay the money to Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, no matter whether you're making your mortgage payment or not. So that's where the issue was coming from is you have all these people, you're going to have millions of people not making their mortgage payment. Well, how is 
the servicers, they still got to pay Freddie Mac. They mm-hmm. still got to pay Freddie Mac. It was undetermined how servicers were going to be able to handle that. So today, or I believe maybe yesterday, maybe it was today. But anyway, they came out where they now announced that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are the servicers are only responsible for four months of payments. Okay. So mean, and I think that, that was today because there's some other announcements. Yes. Like so, yeah. So that's, so that's why servicers are a little bit freaking out because, you know, like, what am I going to do? I can't afford to pay you when you're not making your mortgage payments, but I still got to pay you. So you're not paying me, but I still got to pay this guy over here. Yeah. Right? How are you going to do that if you don't have this influx? So that kind of goes into where you have to have certain cash flow and all this other stuff. So with them announcing that, that was a provision that wasn't in the original CARES Act. It was just left off in a wind that no one thought about. Well, it affects things. So the fact that now the servicer knows, okay, I'm only on the hook for four of the payments, four of the sticks that you don't make. Okay. Well, then what happens if your taxes and your insurance are included in your payment? The servicer still has to disperse those taxes, whether you're paying your mortgage payment or not. So there's lots of things that are happening behind the scenes that they still are working out that's going to determine how the lending industry is going to be affected. And what I mean by that is that's why you saw these lenders saying, we're not going to take anything under a 660. We're not going to take anything that's under a 700 with 20% that's less than 20% equity because you have to understand some with a better credit score, and I'm not discriminating, but better credit score, higher equity, they're less likely to default on that mortgage. Right. Whereas FHA, that tends to lean towards your first time home buyers. They're trying to get, you know, like you have blemished credit already, you know, so that's why they had to tighten these, um, these guidelines temporarily because it was just unknown of you had these people that are now closing mortgages. And it was before that if you close on a mortgage in April, your first payment is going to be due June. Well, if you don't make your first payment, that loan is unsellable, meaning it is just tainted for the forever. So then you have some lenders that they don't, they're not a direct servicer like we are. So, but let's just say we were a direct servicer. Well, now we have to maintain that mortgage on our line from now until kingdom come. Mm -hmm. So to piggyback on that, they did announce today that for a short period of time, they are going to allow mortgages to be sold, you know, to be backed by Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac if they do default on their first mortgage, if they're under the CARES Act. But it's only for a certain period of time, and they're going to be really strict on who gets in and who doesn't. Meaning, yeah. twenty, you got to have equity, you got to have your scores, and those are things that are what I meant by the lending institutions are going to have this delayed issues as far as because it's going to get tight. They're going to get really picky about what your credit looks like and how many, how much money you have in the bank. The days of lower FICO scores, not so much of a down payment. It's you know, it, it's yet to be determined. We're not affected by that. We're still pretty, you know firing on all pistons, but the writing's on the wall because you can see things that are happening and coming out. So and and so um you you've said a few times and I've said it too. I, I did a mm-hmm. whole separate, you know, not podcast or anything, but like video on it. And I just if you don't need to do it, don't do it. What if you don't need to do it, can you still do it? I mean like can you qualify for it? Like is what's the rules on getting it approved, or at least what is your interpretation of those rules as it is today? I know it could change. So they um I actually have notes on it where it's like the COVID nineteen. So let me just see here. Um, okay. So they're basically going to look at this now like it's a natural disaster. Okay. So 
Um, so meaning that if there was a hurricane in Florida, there's people's mortgages that I'm looking at on their credits as natural disaster. Right. So they, they did deem that, um, COVID-19 is going to be considered a natural disaster, meaning it was beyond everyone's control, that kind of thing. It wasn't like you just decided you weren't going to make your mortgage payment, but technically there's nothing that's going to stop anyone, whether you need it or not. From asking for this, there's no, they don't have to demand proof. How are you going to prove your hardship? They mm -hmm. don't have to technically ask and you don't have to, as of right now, sure. you don't have to provide documentation for your hardship, meaning you don't have to prove you have a lessened pay scale. They're kind of like honor system right now because they like to think that why would you want to enter into something in, in possibly affect your credit or possibly you know, prevent you from getting a mortgage down the line if you don't have to, you know, so that might be some changes because this CARE Act is being kind of revamped as the days go on, little, little here, there, a little bit, but, but no, to answer your question directly, anyone can ask for this cool, you know, the CARES Act, there's nothing yeah. to stop them. And is there a limit, like, um, this kind of almost maybe it goes back to an earlier question about um you guys the lenders the servicers everyone having to have a certain amount of money available and all that type of stuff is there a limit to how much forbearance um a company can give so it's 180 days so that's six months and someone can ask for an extra six months so i did find my note so what we were talking about was it says today's action clarifies that mortgage loans with covid19 payment forbearance shall be treated like a natural disaster and will remain in the MBS pool. But what that means is that it's still going to, you can still sell it in the secondary market, right? It's not gonna be exactly tainted if they miss their first payment. And so because of this, it's going to reduce, or it's gonna actually reduce the potential liquidity of demands and enterprises, blah, blah, blah. So it's basically going to allow us to kind of not be so strict on the guidelines because we know that we could still sell that mortgage should we need to or any servicer. Um, but it's going to, so let's just say if you have you into your first six months and you, you can ask for an extension, it's up to 12 months. But after that second, six, or that first six months, it can now start being reported on your credit report as negative. They can't foreclose technically, but you are going to get that hit that you're now late from my understanding as of right now. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and, and like I said, these things are changing constantly. In fact, yes. I took, I, I was listing a property um, that the initial deal fell apart. And so we came and we accepted a second one. And we actually ended up with two more offers after the first deal fell apart. And this was weeks later. And, um, you know, I normally always talk to the lender of the buyer, uh, mm -hmm. making sure that the pre-approval is solid and, and actually a pre-approval. But I still, I, I had to help the seller more than ever to say, you know, I normally don't really care much about this or that, but with the changes that could come and the fact that people aren't always being grandfathered in right now, mm -hmm. um, this is the most solid person of the two. You know, this guy and, and woman have this going for them. I don't know their exact credit score, but I know that mm -hmm. they're in a high tier. I don't know this, but I know it's this. They're not laid off right now. The, you know, here's all the scenarios, right? And um it was really just not, it was different, but not different. I mean, we do some of that stuff, but right. I never would have thought that I'd have to find out like, well, who's their employer? Why won't they right. be furloughed? Why don't you think that they'd be laid off? How, mm -hmm. because like, 
unemployment's through the roof right now. And it's yeah. probably temporary. For most people, it's temporary. I'm sure there's some jobs that aren't coming back anytime soon, but mm-hmm. um, it was really interesting. And so, um, like you said, it's for now, that's the rules. And, and I think it's really important. That's one reason I started with saying we're in mid-April 2020, because mm-hmm. even if somebody catches this in May 10th, it might be a whole different thing, let alone, you know. It could be different tomorrow. Right. <laughs> like, look what happened last time we talked about stuff. It was yeah. like, <laughs> opposite direction. Hopefully we exactly. up, some good things will come from this. I mean, because you're right, the vetting process for your buyers, your sellers, is different. You have to be more involved. You have to really look on what lender is on that pre-approval. Is it valid? How? What's the date on it? Because if it's before March 2020, that has to be, or even really, if it's before March 2020, yeah, it has to be completely redone because things are different now. Do they qualify? You know, like I have a buyer where they moved out of state, they got transferred and they can't close to their house sells. Well, their buyer, she just got 20%, she got 50% cut on her pay. Yep. And she doesn't start getting 20% back of it until May. So yep. now she can't do anything until we, they get a pay stub showing that she's back at least at 20% because she doesn't qualify. So that is just to kind of put it out there for everyone that things are changing every day and you can't point the finger at anyone. We just have to be patient. We have to know that what is happening right now and you have to make sure that working with a professional more so than ever is key and um, we're going to get through it. You know, we're not just saying, oh, guess what? You can't do anything. No, we're going to continue to hold your hand and work that file and reassure you because we we're made it this far and this isn't forever. It's just, it's just, you know, month of two apart and it's just to prevent months and months apart. Just why GM cut their, their people by 20%, their top people. Why? They knew they're going to hit it in car sales. It was a temporary move that they had to make because they had to sustain their business for the longevity of everybody. Yeah. And, and, you know, I had that scenario too, a, a guy who was pre-approved for 300,000 and went down to 250 or 255, you know, because he had to take a pay cut. So, you know, these things are definitely happening and it is important because it did change over the weekend. You know, they came in on mm-hmm. Monday, you know, I mean, they changed at their work the week before it changed with his yeah. the next day. I mean, that's just un- the unfortunate reality. Um, so Let's let's go into some maybe more like fun stuff because I feel like you know some of this bring Debbie not, Downer. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, um, what have you done like fun that maybe you wouldn't have done? You know, you said maybe like you you've had a chance to do some stuff like bike rides. You know, are you one of the uh, many um, adults that decided to get on TikTok or? Uh, and start doing dances or did, maybe uh, you're already on TikTok. Funny. So Adriana made me a TikTok like last night because we got on the tire, the tiger king. We're like, damn that you're basking. <laughs> so I do officially have a TikTok. I haven't got a chance to play with it yet, but um, anyone that knows me knows I'm really goofy and I'm not above making a video. Um, I do feel that like I did kind of like, I was always out there, you know, with our company and doing our promo videos and, I did kind of like shy away from that a little bit just mm-hmm. because I did take a little bit of this time to myself 
you know, I was behind the scenes doing my normal stuff, but I'm ready to obviously get back out there and, and do my thing. Um, like I like to do. So yeah. you probably yeah. will be seeing some TikTok videos for me pretty soon. Um, because I need to have that goofiness come out, but yeah. some things like, um, we had like a dance party, you know, where we like, um, we had to put on different dances. We had like WrestleMania where it happened on the trampoline and we literally had like entry you know like little Talia decided she was going to call herself Talia Tornado and came in yeah yeah did her own little intro so it's fun to see like it's just fun to play a little bit and it kind of just allowed me to kind of re-tap into that and not be so serious because I'm so like inundated with work because I love it so much I it kind of made myself be present Mm -hmm. in personal life you know because I didn't really have I was losing my work-life balance and I decided to log in, do what I got to do. I work out in the morning in the basement and now I try to be more present with my family. Yeah. For sure. sure. Um, I mean, whether it's a simple thing, like uh, I'm not a big puzzler, but you know, even. Oh, I hate puzzles. I get so pissed. (laughs) Well, that's my thing. You know, I'm like, why doesn't this thing go in here? You know, Mm -hmm. just give me some super glue. I'll make it work. Uh, Like we started playing like a rummy cube. So it was a game that my family played as like kids and I haven't, you know, we're growing up. And so like I bought it just to teach the girls how to play like Rummy Cube and, um, you know, like Mikel and I, like, they're like, I'm frustrated. But, like, you need 30 points. You can't go down, you know, and yeah. they like want to cheat. And you're like, no, yeah. <laughs> like, no it's been if you're going to beat me in Uno, you're going to earn it. <laughs> well, you, uh, you can guess that I, uh, we've started playing Monopoly, right? And I was super happy that I won the first game as the realtor of the family. I would have been a very upset. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, those types of things that I think, I don't think that I was taking two and a half hours out of my evening to play Monopoly, right? right. There's mm-hmm. the reason that we didn't play six weeks ago, but we did play four weeks ago mm-hmm. was because we had the time. But right. now, those are the types of things that I think we're going to kind of remember to not give back up on because it right. really took a long time for us to do it. Right. We didn't become attached to a cell phone in 1997 or in 2002 or whatever year you got your first cell phone. You right. know, we became attached to a cell phone like closer to 2010, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. and and then kept going and going and going. It kind of started with like it was a convenience and then it became almost an obsession. Lit. Yeah. So those types of things, playing Uno, I was playing Uno today. Now I'm kind of tired of Uno, but you know what? It's fun. Draw four. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, stuff like that. So I didn't want to be on the downer, but I have to ask, is your wedding delayed now? No, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, we set it out so far. So it was like our dates, 12, 31, 21. Yeah. So as of right now, we, you know, hopefully God willing, you know, this thing isn't going to like resurrect once it does disappear sure. or whatever the hell is going to happen. But um, it did delay like planning, um, you know, because we had appointments set in March for certain yeah. things. But the reason why we set it so far out is because I didn't want to be stressed out. I wanted it to be fun, not like, oh my gosh, I have a certain amount of time, but now who knows what's going to happen. But, you know, it might be like, okay, I'm a little bit pinched now to find a florist. We still need a DJ, you know, these mm-hmm. little things, you know, so we're still making the contacts, but I'm before I was like, oh, maybe that's too far out. But now it's like looking at it. It's I'm glad we did it. So yeah. for example, my cousin was supposed to get married um, this November so November 2020, and she just put out the announcement that she's changing her date to April 21. Yeah. Because she just said it's not worth it. 
Yeah, because we don't know. You know, we don't know what's really going to happen. Just because there's some decrease in illnesses and deaths doesn't mean that it's like truly better, right? And I'm sure um, without knowing exactly when that stops and how that stops, that there's a lot of thoughts that go into play. You know, Mm -hmm. I have a friend too, he he delayed his September wedding, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. We have a few family members that were supposed to get married in the summertime. In theory, they might be able to, but who's going to go? That's the second part, right? Like you said, like you said about the gym, you know, in fact, I'm, I'm going to interview someone who owns a gym. And that's one of the questions is like, how, how on earth are you figuring out when people are going to come back? Because as yeah. I'm a member of that gym, mm-hmm. I'm telling you right now, if they said May 1st, I can come back. I'm not going to be there. Like right. it's a little while. I'm going to keep working out in the basement, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's, it'll be interesting times, you know, to say the least. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I think that what's happening is it's like, okay, so they're May 1st, it's up, okay, what are they just going to let her rip? And then all this was for not, or right. was it like, what, I mean, was it over-exaggerated? I mean, there's all those questions, but I feel like naturally there's not going to be this like paranoia and everyone, you know, it's because, you know, I have my niece, she was diagnosed with Guillain-Barre. She does not have the immune system to fight this off. Well, God forbid if I'm an A, you know, I'm a type or whatever the, where you don't show symptoms. What is it called? I can't give it. Asymptomatic. Yes. Okay. So if I'm one of those people and God forbid I gave it to her, I could not live with myself. You know, my parents, like they're older, they're a little bit more, you know, susceptible to like what could happen. I mean, so you're going to have, like, I know me personally, I'm going to have a paranoia of, okay like who's got it who like like, yeah you got it who you got it you know it's like you know they've got us all now we're all like -like, anti-social in our little cubby holes and you know so when you come out and it's i don't know man it's just like in a gym like you said how are you going to dictate six feet apart yeah who's going to walk around be like wash hands you nasty watch the bench you nasty why touch you know like what do you you can't like what are you going to do yeah yeah so you know i think um it's it's obviously quite unfortunate in a lot of ways. You know, I feel for everybody who has been affected, especially if they've been affected more than financially, right? Financially sucks. Not as bad as someone who might have passed away or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I never want to be insensitive to that. I just no. want to focus on what I can focus on. You know, I'm not in the yeah. medical, so this is what I know what to do and what I know what to talk about and what I know to plan for, you know? Yeah, I mean... My sister works at Sam's Club, so she's on the front lines. I yes. mean, you know, she's a different kind of frontline worker than the healthcare, but she literally has people in her face all the time. And the way that she says people just don't respect the spaces. I mean, and she's been a real lifeline as far as I mean, when you got the toilet, you got the great toilet paper outage of 2020, yeah. right? We're like, Rachel, you got the toilet paper at Sam's Club? Is it in? Yeah. You know, so like, and then she's like, they put up the plexiglass after so so long, but then. If people can't hear what she's saying, they just come around the plexiglass. Right. It's like, and you know, shoot, they try to cover themselves and be like, hey, six feet. But there are those people that don't respect the fact that you might not be afraid of it. Yep. Okay. But other people are because it is real because it has touched them personally. Yeah. Because you might not know someone that has been affected by it directly. It doesn't mean that people haven't passed away that they know of that, you know, that you can't get that back. Yeah. You know, you got to have that res- that respect for other people. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you know, and it's tough to even talk about now because it's become so political, you know, that 
it's yeah. like if I say something, I feel like someone's either gonna try to say that's why it's so and so's fault, or they're gonna say this yeah. is such and such, and it's like it's so hard because I feel like we need to be able to talk about it, you know? Yeah, it doesn't have to be. It's not about politics. It's about like you can be one side versus the other and it's going to affect you, but it doesn't mean that it's because you're a Republican or a Democrat. You can be purple. You can be a little bit of both. You can be, um, okay. Like I'm not, I'm healthy on this, but still respect the fact that someone else was more directly touched by it than you, than you were, you know, like it's, you have to have that empathy instead of like, and you're not going to change someone's mind. That's why you're right. Like I think things are unfortunate as far as, um, like how you can't talk about it because it does become so political and it's not about that. It's about, you know, like they're, you're either far right or you're far left. Well, there are people that are in the in-between and just because you feel like, why do you care about planting your seeds? Because you're, it's snowing two weeks ago. Yeah. Okay. Like you order your freaking seeds online. Like it's not worth it. Why are you on the Capitol Hill with your guns? What are you going to do? Shoot the virus? Like what's happening? Like, you don't got to go to the, like, I respect people's rights to freedom of speech, but what? come on, like, you don't yeah. need a gun out there. What are you going to do? The virus. Ooh, I'm going to get yeah. it. Like, no, it's, it was interesting, obviously, to say the least, you know, um, and, and I'll tell you, and I can say this too. I mean, there were, there was a similar response in another state, um, Ohio, that is a Republican led governor. So when we say that it's political, it, it seems to be but I don't know that it's exactly left or right or Democrat or Republican as much as it is like people of a certain political belief of infringing on rights are wanting to protest. And that seems fine. And then you see like some really crazy stuff and you're like, wow, that's more than protesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're like, okay. You know? So, uh, so yeah. So Becky, before we go, is there anything else, you know, that you want to uh, cover anything else that you feel like we glossed over um, questions you had a question earlier about, you know, how we're handling tours, anything that I can answer? Um, I mean, one thing for sure is if you can make your mortgage payment, make your mortgage payment. Okay. My heart goes out to, I'm blessed. I can say that I'm in a position where I'm able to do what I can do wherever I can. Some people cannot, I'm not, not empathetic to that, but if you can make your mortgage payment, make it because it's unknown how it's going to affect you in a you know, six months from now, don't be ignorant to the fact that Walt said I could, and then try to buy a house in, in six months and wonder why you can't, you know, because Mm -hmm. those, there's some things that are unknown. So I do want to advocate on that. And if you unfortunately are in a position where you can't make your mortgage payment, get it in writing before you agree to it know what your payment terms are, know what you're getting into because it's going to blow up and there's going to be some good things that come from it. There's going to be some bad things that come from it. And there's a lot of in between that hasn't been decided on. So that's for sure. And, you know, special thank you to our frontline workers. And as far as real estate goes, you know, I guess like what I would like to know is, you know, so you have your prospects, your virtual tours, has there been, what has been something for you that um, you kind of took away from this experience to find different ways of new ways that you think you're going to do business going forward? I think the, for me, I mean, I've always done um, video of a property anyway, Yeah. Mm-hmm. but um, making sure sometimes I've skimped, you know, so I, there, you could do a, a video, you could do a Matterport tour, things like that. And sometimes I've chosen to do just one or just the other. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'll ever do that again. You know, it'll okay. be 
every way possible. I believe in marketing the property. I believe that's really the first thing that I do. Before we get to a contract, what I do is market a property. Because the fact is, is that when I put it in the MLS, it goes to Zillow. So you could put your home on Zillow. It's how, once it gets there, what do we do with it? How do we advertise it? Why does your house look better than the next one? Mm -hmm. So having those types of things. And then I think, you know, understanding that, especially when you have scenarios where it's hard to get together. Okay, well, it's like next to impossible to get together right now and we're doing mm -hmm. it. So we'll get together. You know, we can right. do a virtual tour or I mean a virtual meeting like this, like we're doing right now, just to have the conversation about goals and desires and needs, you know, mm -hmm. because we don't have to sit down at the kitchen table or at the Starbucks or whatever to have that conversation. I'd like to. I like I'm a people person, mm -hmm. but it's okay. Uh, at some point, we will get together. But I think that those couple of things definitely are, are big takeaways. And then um, I think moving forward, I mean, especially for the next year, knowing that there's people possibly making a, in, in a mistake, you know, like taking a forbearance that they don't need or something like that. Right. Just more questions, more digging. You know, I know mm -hmm. sometimes it seems like we're getting very deep and we haven't even gotten to know each other. You know, but, you know, it's like our first date and I'm asking <laughs> kids, that's right, great. you know, because like you're thinking about, you know, getting married right away. So I need to know if you want to have kids, you know, so it's like it's same thing. It's like we're going to get together. And yes, within an hour of time, I need to know what you've done in the past and what you're going to do in the future. So that way I know whether or not you can even think about selling your home because you might not be able to right now. Right. But or buying a home, you know, you, mm -hmm. I want to make sure you, I don't want to, I don't want you to think great. I met Joe, I get to buy a home. And then I say, call Becky. And then you call me back and say, that person can't buy a home. You know, right. it's okay to have that conversation. I'll say, Hey, I don't think it's going to work out. Call Becky. Or right. sounds like it's great. Call Becky, you know, like one way or yeah. the other we're calling you, but I like to have that expectation set. So just dig, dig, digging even deeper than I've ever dug, dug before. Yeah. And you know, like, um, and I think that's a testament to why you are so good at what you do. I mean, in the, in the real estate agents that do that upfront vetting process makes, it's just setting your client up for success. And then you're setting up with a lender that knows what they're talking about and isn't afraid to say no. It doesn't mean it's not no forever. Maybe it's not right now, you know, mm -hmm. or maybe like we got to do certain things to come into place, but more so than not, I mean, this is an ever changing situation and we've never experienced something like that. So it's, I think having patience and being kind are, you know, and being patient in the most impatient industry ever. One of the most impatient industries is something that yeah. is, it's new. You know, if you're like, I want it now and I want a new Loompa and I want it five minutes ago, you know, so. Well, and this might sound wrong, hopefully it doesn't, you know, but I've always had the approach that it really is just real estate. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is a reminder for more than real estate, right? It's a reminder right now that everything is just everything except for your health and your safety. Yeah. You know, that yeah. say family first. I mean, this is what we're talking about is mm -hmm. like actually being here for our family. And so, you know, to, to say family first, but then not do the things that, that requires that, you know, it doesn't make sense. And so, 
you know, people, my wife, especially because she's seen me get really angry because there's six eggs missing from one side of the container and only two eggs missing from the other. And she's like, what's wrong? I need with symmetry. Yeah. <laughs> well, but she's like that whole $500,000 deal, you know, that you worked on fell apart and you took that really well. And I'm like, you know, this happened, that happened. And at the end of the day, you know, we're going to get another deal. And that's, that's just what happens sometimes. Right. So uh, it's, it is just real estate. It is just this. It is just that. The one thing it's not just is your health, your safety, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that this is just another reminder um, that we can take a step back sometimes. And, you know, it's always going to be important. What I do is important. How I do it is super important for you. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not not doing that because I'm, you know, because I think it's just real estate. I'm right. just trying to point out that if something happens along the way, it's okay. Like we'll fix yeah. it. With another one. Yeah. I can't fix if you go to the hospital. I can only fix if your contract falls apart. You know? Right. So mm -hmm. that's that's kind yeah. of. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the days of a seller trying to rush us to the closing table is just you can't do it anymore. Anyone trying to rush us to the closing table because yeah. I had a couple like last month ish or whatever. They're like, we gotta close, we gotta close right now, and I was like, stop, because I mean, it's I can I'm a I can close a transaction super fast because I have a great team behind me that allows me to do so. And this was, this is something that you can't control. You can't drive the train to crazy town when someone's just lost their job. You can't. And then what are you going to do? Put the house on the market and hope that someone else wasn't laid off right now. You just can't do it. Like mm -hmm. we have to be a human being. We have to be patient. We have to be kind. And you have to have a great team of people around you. A buyer's agent is free. It would go up. <laughs> awesome. Hey, to that, I'll definitely say, let's say cheers. I'm all out, but yeah, cheers. Thanks for coming. <laughs> and uh hope everyone had a good, uh, good time. Becky, what's your podcast name one more time? It's the Hardcore Mortgage Podcast. We're on every Wednesday, and then you can check us out on 97.1 FM from 9 to 10, on, and it's the Hardcore Mortgage Radio Show. Awesome. Thanks for your time. Tell your family thanks, and uh, we'll talk soon. All right. See you guys.